remember that God is all there is. How do you apply spiritual principle in the real world? What are your daily spiritual practices? These are the kinds of questions we'll talk about in this show. Your hosts, Leslie and Tracy, will share their experiences, but also want to learn from your insights, your questions and your suggestions. So, don't just listen in. Call us with your comments. Hey everybody, Tracy Brown here, and are are you ready to say yes to spirit? I hope you are, because this is the place to be if you are ready to say yes to spirit. Every week, Leslie and I get together and spend some time with you hanging out and just exploring this idea of what does it mean to say yes to spirit, or what do we do when we say yes to spirit, and How can saying yes to spirit help us live a life we love and that we appreciate and that it's our best life possible? And every week we have a theme. If you're new to the show, um, every week we have a different theme, and the themes come from all kinds of inspiration. It's probably about time for us to go back to our unofficial advisory board and get some more themes, but... Sometimes the things are based on on deeply spiritual, spiritually based concepts or universal spiritual principles, and at other times our themes are simply based on everyday experiences, and every now and then our themes are simply based on random words that come to us. And it's really funny how that happens. Um, Because no matter whether the theme is obviously spiritual or completely a random choice that when we choose it, we have no idea where we're going to go with it, it seems like it's obvious and apparent that everything is related to spirit. Everything has a spiritual connection. Everything is able to be discussed from the perspective of saying yes to spirit. Everything? Everything. <laughs> you sure everything? Everything. We um, have proven that now for over two years. True that. So um, so today's theme is about living small. We're, we may talk about the traps of living small. We will honor the fact that most, if not all of us, don't want to live small, that's not our intention, but we get caught doing it. We get caught living small all the time. So today we'll be able to talk about what that means, what it looks like, and how we navigate through that. And and I guess then we'll also consider the idea that even in living small, there's spirit there as well. We may consider that. (laughs) But before we do any of that, we're going to connect the dots, and our connect the dots segment There's is all about connecting the dots on the previous show, which was facts versus feeling. And today's theme is we've already been small. There was some line that I said last week that connect the dots line, oh, but I absolutely how. Living in my feeling is could be possibly fraught with the idea that I could be living small and feeling my feelings could be then therefore creating a a false sense. You said something about feelings can either pull us up and out of whatever we're experiencing or it can or our feelings can pull us in and withdraw, and that would result in us living small. The withdrawal, yes! Look at Tracy Brown! Very impressive, very impressive. Do you remember everything I say with such clarity? That's Only the things you say <laughs> that I write down. <laughs> and don't throw the piece that's of paper great. away. That's great, yes. And you know, I think that is very true, that... that um, if I'm not living in the truth of who I am, then I do withdraw. And my feelings, I can 
I think last week I had two definitions of feelings. One was the human feeling that can make me withdraw and feel small. And then the second was a deeper sense of feeling and living in the truth of who I am. And I see now that perhaps I went into an extreme all or nothing last week. Did you get a sense of that? Was I being slightly black and white? Don't see everyone needs to go back and listen to last week's show to consider that. But No, but, yes, all you have feeling. to do is remember that Leslie, Leslie. often thinks in either or, right 100% or 0%. Good or bad. Yeah. And that might be an example of living small, but that's after we get back from the break, right? Yes, it is. <laughs> Oh, let's take a little break. Were you going to add something? No, I think that's it. That's it. The feeling can create the sense of living small, yes. Okay, let's take a minute break. Go grab something to drink or eat. We'll be back in one minute with Say Yes to Spirit. Today our theme is living small, and by the end of the hour we'll know <laughs> what that has to do with uh, saying yes to spirit, or how spirit saying yes to spirit can help us live differently than living small. It seems to me that uh, because so many people, almost to the point of I never want to hear it again, but not quite. <laughs> the Marianne Williamson quote. Oh yes. From um you know, from Marianne Williamson's book, uh, Return to Love and about living small and deep of fear and living large. So I thought we might as well just get that out of the way at the top of the show because <laughs> otherwise every t- the whole time we're talking, not only will we be thinking about it. But people who are listening will be like, yeah, that Marianne, they ought to use that Marianne Williamson. <laughs> we're going to just use it right now. Get that out of the way. Our Deepest Fear by Marianne Williamson. Our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness, that most frightens us. We ask ourselves, who am I to be brilliant, gorgeous, talented? fabulous. Actually, who are you not to be? You are a child of God. Your playing small does not serve the world. There is nothing enlightened about shrinking so that other people won't feel insecure around you. We are all meant to shine as children do. We were born to make manifest the glory of God that is within us. It's not just in some of us. It's in everyone. And as we let our own light shine, we unconsciously give other people permission to do the same. As we're liberated from our own fear, our presence automatically liberates others. That's my favorite thing. Do I have several favorite things? I should say that's one of my favorite things in an effort not to be black and white. That is one of my favorite things. And I have an interesting um, example of that coming at the very end, the idea of sort of believing that I'll sacrifice myself to help you or give the illusion that I'm less than so you can feel more than. Yep. And how that really is incredibly narcissistic, which is a 50-cent word, and it's ego, it's ego, yep, it's ego talking, but it's masked 
in this, you know, I'm 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 lower, you're higher. And there was a situation I work at the Dallas County Women's Jail at a um program where we do life skills and group exercises and there was this woman in uh, a group of 20 other women, and we check in at the beginning of group, and on Thursday night she checked in by saying, I have come to understand that I'm just too sick. I'm, uh, my, uh, I've just found out that probably I, my biological family is not my family. I'm really reeling from this. I'm feeling all these emotions, and I'm certain that this is just going to be too much, so I'm going to leave this program so that y'all don't have to deal with how big my emotions are. I'm feeling really crazy and really out of control. And and she literally said the words, I'm going to take myself away so that y'all can be okay. Yep. And it was fascinating because when the group had come in, at the end of the day, these these women are all in jail, so they're not having, you know, great days. So they all came in, and I got a sense that everybody was kind of in their own space and, People didn't really feel connected, and and these couple of women seemed kind of angry and irritated with something. And when she said that, the group started to rally around her, Mm. and energetically they became one to connect with her, to encourage her to stay in the program. And... What was interesting, and it took and it took about twenty or thirty minutes, and finally, she was able to see how, in leaving, she was really doing the opposite of what she initially said. In leaving, she was right. being self-centered. Right. And she was taking her, and they were talking about how just her and this one woman in her fifties told the story about being switched at birth. That she literally was born the day that her cousin was born, and her mom and her aunt. And somehow the dad had, and she literally to this day doesn't know if she, her mom is her mom or her mom is or her aunt because they were kind of switching the babies back and forth. And it's always been kind of a family thing that they're like, we hope I got the baby taken home. And so it was an interesting, it was such an interesting dynamic to see how finally she could come to understand that by removing herself, doing the things she thought was helping others by making herself this you know, too sick to be held, right. was actually very selfish. And it was really interesting to watch the group as a whole come together to to give her that message. And and her even being willing to say that out loud and not just retreat, so that was a huge thing. Right. She's willing to say that right. out loud. Because most just of the leave. time people just stop showing up. Right, just walk away. I mean, you know. And yeah. in their head say, I'm saving, I'm, right. I'm, I'm helping. making it easier for the group because yes. I'll be such a distraction yes. Yes. or, right. you know, and when really it's like, uh, no. You know, not only do people in the group learn from your experience and grow themselves, but there are people in the group who have either the same experience yes. and yes. and you and that encourages them to talk about mm-hmm. and work through or they have an experience that is comparable or worse. Right. It, you know, worse if there's anything. Quote, quote. Right. Yeah, quote, um, in quotations, worse. That you couldn't even imagine how you could, you know, deal with, and it puts your stuff in perspective. It's like, yeah, the synergy of the group. You know, there are a number of classes that I've taken where it's really interesting to watch who checks out mm-hmm. along the way. By leaving, dropping the class, leaving the class, or or showing up, but just not. You you know you can tell the right, difference. Right, they're not fully engaged. That they're not engaged, or they're not sharing. They're sharing behind a mask. Whereas maybe they were more open before, and they're just going through the motion. Um, but especially, you know, there there are classes where people are really by the design of the class. They have to look at themselves, and they they're going to grow, you know, or they're going to go away. Mm-hmm. And um, and so yeah, it's the same thing. And I have said that to myself. I've been in group therapy over the course of my life, and I have said that sentence in my mind: of these people can't <laughs> handle me. I'm right. way too crazy. Boy, if I let them know half of the stuff that was going on in my mind, yes. And that really, I see now how that separated me from the group, and it kept me in this sort of false sense of, oh, I am such a good person. Right. I'm, I'm helping them. them. I'll be this 
I'll be the strong one, keep myself, you know, separate. And But those words we feed, I fed myself to justify my own, what is that, is that fear? I guess it's fear of being exposed maybe or, you know, desire to stay where I was uh, uh, to... to yeah, I think for different people it could be different things. It could be why I really feel I'm getting close to breaking through this and who would I be if I broke through this? I, mm-hmm. You know, it's the fear of the unknown, the quote, yeah, fear of change, fear of the unknown. Um, but it also could be, you know, it could be fear from a lot of different places because even when the ego is saying I'm doing this for other people, mm-hmm. it's okay, but what about you? Mm-hmm. You know, fear that I don't deserve, that undeserving, I don't really deserve to be better. So I, if I stay in this process, I might actually get better, and, yeah, I don't deserve that. But it comes out from ego as don't put all these other people through your craziness. Right. And that word better, isn't that interesting? Because if I'm getting better, that seems to denote that someone else has to be less better. How how could I be? Well, I'm getting better than I was a year ago. I'm, I'm getting, getting better as compared to myself. Right, and, but doesn't there some in my mind when I say I'm getting better, I follow that up with so somebody else has to be worse. No, well, I mean that's you're it. Saying, that's I am better than everybody else right. in the group. Yes, but if I'm getting better, it, it, that's a self comparison. But if I'm better than you know, I'm better. That that shows up I think in groups more like. Oh well, I'm I'm already ahead of these people. I already know everything I need to know about this. Oh, I'm not going to learn anything here. That's the sense of I'm better than the other people. I'm better than. But if I am getting better than I was a year ago or five years ago, that's just comparing me to me. Me to me. See, that interesting because in my mind, I think I'm getting better, so therefore everyone else around me gets worse. You don't have that follow-up sentence in your head. Obviously not. <laughs> so, so you're obviously not, since I'm looking at you like, really, <laughs> really, you're suggesting everyone can get better at the same time. Absolutely, we are all growing and expanding. It is our natural. <laughs> it is our nature. It is our God essence to always grow and expand. Every one of us getting better and being more of who we are and more of the God presence in every moment of every day as long as we allow it. Sing it, sister. <laughs> I, I, uh, but is that curious? It, you know, it's like, what is the thing? You know, I, I, there's something about that. No, it's not curious. It's, I think it's curious. I'll just be. It's sick. <laughs> not curious. That was so good. She said it's sick instead of you're sick. I appreciate that little you're yeah, not sick. But that idea, that, that idea, is, yes, yes, is, that if I get better, people around me suffer. Yes. And somehow, okay, since this apparently is still going to be all about me, I think somehow I got that message as a child that um, it was my job to help other people get better, and that if I got better, then other people would suffer. Ooh, that's really deep. So that's not, but that certainly isn't the truth. The truth would be the more I fully am in the truth of who I am, yes. the more fully other people can be in the truth of who they are. Yes. But I'm just saying, it's a screwed up way of thinking. So is uh, it sacred? Yes. Number one time you've mentioned that book today. Well, we finished the class recently. Oh, did so you finish? I won't be quoting from the sacred yes as much soon. Anyway, uh, on page 347, the subtitle for this section is, You Don't Have a License to Oppress People to Convert Them. But the text of it really um, connects to what you've been saying. You have forgotten what it means to be chosen. To be chosen doesn't mean that you are above anyone. Right. Doesn't that seem to be the way, though? I'm chosen. You're not. Sorry. To be chosen doesn't mean (laughs) that you are above anyone or anything. Quite the contrary. You must learn that being chosen means that you most often put your own needs aside. If you are chosen, then you understand that Only with the deepest of humility and the intent to be a servant unto all can you even begin to fulfill that mission that is ahead of you. All are chosen to do 
something. Um, and it goes on and on. But this whole idea of really, you know, being one of the quotes, in fact, one of the quotes that I put on Facebook today from this book was all about people, when people are in your presence, they should feel how important they are, not how important you are. But that li- that line in there says sometimes you have to put your own needs aside. That you put the slippery slope. Well, it is if we take it from the human perspective of I'm going to put my like like the example that you started. The woman came in saying I have these needs, but I'm not going to take care of them in the group because I think the group can do better. I think the key in the context of the sacred yes, and and obviously I picked something up Mm -hmm. and just out of context, but it's about how um, you have to listen to other people tell you what their needs are. You don't get to decide what their needs are. Because in my mind, I might think, I know what's best for you. But the real real way to serve other people's needs is to encourage them to do what Marianne Williamson, Williams' quote talks about. You get to decide what it means to you to live full out, to live big. And so I support that in you. I can't tell you what that is. I don't get to decide what's best for you. Mm-hmm. But when you decide what's best for you, I'm going to support that. I'm going to help make that happen. And it's not about... It's not about me being smaller. It's really about me being clear that you are the decider of your faith. You get to be authentic. You get to experience God and life and love in the most powerful way that you are ready to do that. And so even if I think there's a better way, that I will put that aside because I will put that aside in my judgment and support of you. I am responsible for living my biggest life. And so I'm going to do that, mm-hmm. but when I'm interacting with you, I'm I'm here to support you in doing that for yourself. It takes nothing away from me. And that must be the trick, because I can remember, I remember being really spiritual. It was 1994. Yeah, and, uh, and I can remember <clears throat> feeling such a such a clear joy, just a pure joy, pure joy, pure joy, all the time, every day. And it seemed like I had 100 hours in a day, and I could do and be and give, and it was like I had this endless well. And people would would comment on that, and I would be like, you know, this is just, I don't know, I, I didn't understand what they were saying, that it seemed strange. Right. And now over the years I've learned to, you know, keep score and I, you know, I can only have 50% and you can only have 49%. And so it's, you know, it's got much, it's much different. But I think that there's a big difference between giving from a state of knowing the truth who I am yes. versus giving from some human level and, and sacrificing. Right. Because there's no yeah. sacrifice. Right. It's no sacrifice if you're really in the Zen. And I think that's a very slippery slope. And I'm the only one that knows that because externally I look very sane. I look very somewhat Tracy will say no but I you know externally today I my external life looks somewhat the same but the internal life is different yeah and I think that is a really powerful statement because and you you actually bring this up every few weeks that how screwed up I am where where is the intention you know right it's all about about the intention internal that I know because the behavior can look right you know, the behavior can look perfect. The behavior can look exactly like, you know, you want it to look. Right. But if it's coming from a place of manipulation or it's coming from a place of ego, if it's coming from a place, you're right, on the inside, right, need, sacrifice, suffering, right, victim, right, you know, because I'm so screwed up, you know, I'm really saying I'm a victim of my life, and I'm just not going to subject you to mm-hmm. it. Or I have to do certain things, you. so I deserve something then in return. Yeah, and so it's that inner intention that you're right, mm-hmm. unless you're talking to your therapist, your minister, your practitioner, your really good friend. Your, you know, unless you are a 
articulating and expressing what's behind the action. Right. And I think, you know, that happens in our churches all the time, not just not centers for spiritual living. I'm talking about <laughs> all oh, churches. All religious. That, you know, when I when I think back to how I did become disillusioned for a while with the church as an institution when I was in my teens, and it was, you know, it was all around me seeing people's behavior and interpreting it as they were being hypocritical. They were saying one thing and doing another. Right. And while some of that was true, you know, when you have a minister who's having who's telling everybody adultery is, you know, breaking the Ten Commandments, but then he's having an affair with a woman in the church, mm-hmm. and and she's a leader, visible, you know, person in the church. Um, and you have things like that happening, it's the question. But what I didn't consider back then was all of the people who looked like they were doing it right, you know, who mm-hmm. looked like they were living in um, obeyance to the Ten Commandments, who came to church every Sunday. But how many of them on the inside were doing it out of obligation? Mm. Or they were showing up on Sundays, but I didn't see them when they were at the club dancing, or and dancing was not against our religion, you know, but dancing. Y'all can't dance. Right. But dancing or dating or being out with or drinking to excess, but then showing up on Sunday morning. And, you know, I didn't know what they did on Saturday night. And their inner intention on Sunday morning might have been, I need to do this in penance Mm -hmm. for my sins, and I'm such a bad person, I need to get in here on Sunday. But their behavior seemed, you know, this is my joy, this is my life, this is how I am. So, yeah, you can't know what's on the inside motivating people and the living small, for me, the connection about living small is we create that story ourselves. Right. And we create that box that we believe we can't push beyond. And the woman in the jail Thursday night spoke it out loud. That's the key, isn't it? Yes. But most of the time we don't. We just create the box, believe that that's the boundary, and we live within it. And that's a little scary. And what is interesting to me is how how, how, do, how, how to best, if I'm living in that box, how do I, and I don't know what I don't know. Exactly. Wow, that's a lot to think about. Let's, <laughs> let, uh, let's take a one-minute break, and then we, when we come back from the one-minute break, we have a caller on hold from area code 646, and we'll start in with our caller. But for now, let's take a quick break. You're listening to Say Yes to Spirit with Tracy and Leslie. And today our theme is living small, talking about the traps of living small, being reminded that it's not our goal to live small, but we seem to do it a lot. (laughs) 
at least living smaller than we could. And um, is it kind of is it based on this idea that if I really embrace the truth of who I am, that someone takes something away from somewhere else or someone else, or is it a matter of that I don't even know that I'm living small, and therefore I don't even know what the possibility is? I think both, and I think it's sometimes I don't believe I'm I deserve to be worthy. So I can I can have a vision of what it would be to live larger, to live out loud, to live at 100% of my capability, but I just don't believe that I, I deserve that. I deserve all of that. I don't deserve to be happy or I don't deserve to earn that much money or I don't deserve to be famous. And so sometimes we don't know. We don't know, you know, what we don't. No, as you mm-hmm. said earlier, that um, we just are not aware. If we grew up in a certain type of environment, neighborhood, culture, socioeconomic status, we just may not have been exposed to something else. How many people do you and I know, and you know anybody listening? How many people do we know who, like in the in the old days, like you know. 100 years ago or 150, 200 years ago, where it was kind of a family thing. If your dad was a farmer, you were raised on the farm, you learned how to be a farmer, and you were a farmer. You took over the family farming. You taught your children how to be farmers, and, you know, they became farmers and either took over the family farm or owned their own farm a mile away. And so it was kind of like that's what you know. You didn't know if you grew up on a farm in Iowa you didn't know about New York City, mm-hmm. what would make you think about being an ad agency executive in New York City? Because it wasn't in your scope, which strangely today is a good thing that we have the Internet and we have all sorts of things that can show us, open the doors. So that takes away that excuse. We no longer have that excuse. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, so it's, you know, but but even like for our young people who have grown up, in a completely, you know, information access society, um, access through phones or internets or email or text messages, you know, to a much broader world, while they know that there's a much broader world out there, they don't still, they, many of them still don't get the message that it's for them. It's possible it's just for me. information. Right, it's possible it's just, for me. It's out there, mm-hmm. but that doesn't mean it's out there for me. And so that, and yeah, and and sometimes it is that's what I want, but I'm 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 not brave enough mm-hmm. to do to do what it takes to step into that. So I think there are all kinds of reasons, all kinds of traps mm-hmm. of why we live small. And I guess the real question becomes if we're saying yes to spirit, right? How do we, by definition, or if we're saying yes to spirit, does that help us move beyond those traps or beyond those false boundaries? You know, um, one of the classic things people will say when they're working on forgiveness is, well, if Jesus can forgive me, or you know, people will say to other people, Jesus can forgive you, who are you not to forgive you? And it And it is a fascinating thing that, in a strange way, Spirit is constantly pushing in good and saying this is good and have more and enjoy and there's so much joy and there's so much light and there's so much love. And that's really all there is. That's that's all real. And I'm the one saying, oh, no, not me. Oh, no, I can't take more. Not yet. Not yet. And and when it's framed like that, I, I just think it's such a it's such a um it turns your thinking sideways when you understand that it's really me, human ego limiting me, spirit's the one that wants more and more and more. Yeah. So we have a caller from area code seven eight zero. Your line is open. Did you have a comment or a question? Tell us who you are and we're listening to what you have to say. Yes, it's uh, Jay Caller from Canada. <clears throat> Hi. How you doing? Great. Thanks for calling in. Love Canada. <laughs> You're welcome. 
I called him before on the show, and just, you know, the topic is really of interest actually right now. Um, I think we're in a time period right now is that um, we've been living, uh, how would you say, in sort of like in fear mode and like in a small, small, uh, as you were saying. So I think uh, I think this this time period, as everyone is saying, is to uh, be authentic in who we are and to be great with no limitations. And I think that's where we're at right now, to live big, not small. And, uh, yeah, with all that's happening in the world. And I love that you use the word authentic or authenticity because yeah. if we are living large, if we're living our spiritual truth <clears throat> authentically, it's hard to keep ourselves in a little box. Yeah. yeah. So that's a great and, comment. Uh, yeah, and you're, you're talking about... Uh, when you were young, you're you're giving, 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 and I was actually doing the same thing too. But it gets to a point in your life where you <laughs> where the physical aspects of it, you know, take a take a precedence also, you know, and and also you got to think about yourself. I think I think it's interesting you're, you're saying about that. We we often don't think about ourselves um, first before we actually you know give to others, and I think people think that's a selfish act, but it isn't actually. You know, we always say, you know, when we create peace in the world, we we start with ourselves, not with the other person, or you know, demonstrating it or things things like that. Uh-huh. So it's uh, it's it's interesting uh, that uh, we're in that time period. You know, we got to think about ourselves and feel about ourselves. You know, take care of ourselves basically. And so, you know, we can create you know a better a better world. So yeah, I think that's so true. It's such an interesting. It's kind of an interesting process to be able to understand absolutely I have to take care of myself first before I can help anyone else. We I always use the example with the women in the jail of, you know, when you're going down in the plane, the the, the, the indicate you know, the instruction is put the oxygen on yourself and then your children and your instinct seems like I don't want to put my oxygen on my children first, but if you're not breathing yourself, you certainly can't assist them in breathing. And I think there's some sort of mystical so when we're in the path, when we're when we're breathing, I think there uh-huh. becomes sort of a, a mystical shift that then we become so oxygenized. Oxygenized? Did I make up a word? Oxygenized. Oxygenized. That's a good word. <laughs> thank you, thank you. That we then become we have like so much to give that it it doesn't even affect us. We have so much, and we can continue to give. But but it is such an interesting slippery slope of where is it that I have to take care of myself first? But then it's at some point when I'm really fully engaged in living the truth of who I am, I become so big that I've got more to give than I could ever give, and it doesn't take away from my original source or anyone else. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. yeah. But, um, <clears throat> but uh, I don't know, just uh, it's interesting that you were, you were saying that um, – uh, thinking small or out of the box. I just think if we want to think we think small. I think we actually are actually considering that we have no creativity in our lives, um, or lack of creativity. And I think creativity is actually one of the things where actually we think actually bigger, bigger out of the box, because um, we're actually you know <laughs> you figure how creator or create the word create is actually in our in our vocabulary is uh, in our vocabulary you know creative and creator and you know how we were created so i think creativity is actually a big part of uh she living like living big yeah i agree with you and we did a show once about um about creativity and it, and what i re- one of the things i remember from that show was how we had to really separate creative and creating from artistic no, oh, yes, because a lot of times when we say we're creative or humankind is creative or it's our natural, um, it's a part of our nature to be creative, mm-hmm. people say, oh, well, I'm not an artist or I can't sing or, can't draw. you know, I can't draw or, you know, I don't, I don't make jewelry or, you know, I'm not crafty. And we think yeah, about yeah. the artistic process of creation but in reality, every thought we have that we take action on, we are using the creative power. 
We are being creative. We have an idea, we make decisions, and we um, shape our lives around that. We are creating. We are using the natural, our nature of being creative. Um, and so I agree with you that if, when we are creating, we are in fact, we are in fact expanding our box. We well, we could be expanding our box. In your famous song, we're creating all the time, Tracy. Right? That's right. right. I was going to say we are always <laughs> creating. Universal law is always working. And isn't it amazing how creative we can be in our excuses or in the things that keep us in the box? How creative we can be coming up with all of the reasons why the world is broken, why it can't be any better, why I'm broken and can't be fixed. We have no problem coming up with 28 excuses and reasons for that. But we think we cannot come up with 28 reasons for doing life bigger. And, you know, there's an interesting um, idea I think I, I can look at the circumstances of my life, losing my job or losing a, a a partner or losing money or losing a house or losing things that that we that I perceive as oh, bad or wrong. I saw a really interesting interview with Tyler Perry, who I think is going to become my next most favorite person. Um, and he talked about this idea that we get so focused because I didn't know his story, but 20 years ago, I guess he was homeless, living out of his car. He yep. And and he had lost his job, and he got to the point where he had to, he said, get out of the idea that losing his job was a loss and to see it that it was propelling him into doing something different because he would never have turned to this creative, in in the literal sense of being a director and a movie person, if he had continued on that job path. And so um, he was actually asked what would be advice for people that are in the job market now struggling, and he said to look at anything that's a loss is really not a loss, but the universe saying, that's the wrong direction. Let me help you. I'm going to take this away. That's not really the divine design. And now let's look. Look at all these other 98 places you can look at instead of this 2% where you were looking. And so if I look at everything in my world that way, you know, everything that, every red light, I look at it as, oh, this was a divine design to get me to stop so that I can, you know, see something else versus this red light's in my way. You're looking it's at the red light. Stop, you know. And mm-hmm. uh, it's a really, it's a shift in perspective. Yeah. Yeah, so um, we really appreciate you dialing in, and we're going to... Um, we're going to take just one more quick little break before we go in into the remaining time of the show. So thanks for dialing in, and uh, we will be right back. You're listening to Say Yes to Spirit, and I'm Tracy. I'm Leslie. And today's theme has been living small, which is kind of interesting. We're saying Say Yes to Spirit. Our theme is living small. So obviously, (laughs) we're talking about how we get trapped into living small, and if we were saying yes to spirit, how we could live big, live large. So, Leslie, any ideas about spiritual practices that help us Mm. help us remember to live large? Because we always try to talk about some spiritual practices in almost every show. You know, I wonder about the idea of just having a spiritual idea that allows me to know that that that's not my natural design to live small. Um, Following kind of an intuition, 
it's funny, I, when I first got into metaphysics and doing new thought kind of thing, I went to the bookstore and I started looking at these books and pulling these books. And within the first few chapters of most new thought books, it says something like, if you were drawn to pulling out this book, then you are especially special. You are ready for what this book has to offer, and you are really, you know, it was like complimenting me by simply, you know, that that, that I was called to this book as if it was some sort of, but then I thought, you know, that is probably true on some level. Yeah. You know, when I am pulled in a direction, if I follow it, and I don't think, oh, that's silly. I don't need to, you know, go to the bookstore today. Or if I, um, you know, have this idea to call a friend and say, oh, I'm too busy. I can just do that tomorrow. And then I find out something was really going on with that friend. But to be kind of living in that state of, of, of remembering that that intuition is God. And I yes. don't know how the spiritual practices, I think, sort of just remind me now of what I know. I know. It's like I'm past the point of not knowing what I don't know. I'm at that point of just not acting on what I know sometimes. Yeah. And and I think the when I think I forget, I haven't really forgotten. I'm just not, I'm making a choice to not remember that makes sense? That seems really worse, doesn't it? I think I'd rather not know what I don't know. Well, yeah, we talked about that before, how, you know, ignorance is bliss. Mm-hmm. Because you're not ever having that thought of, I know better, I should know better, I know better than to do that. Because you don't you don't know. You don't so know you're better. just doing what, you know, doing your thing. Um, you know, a spiritual practice that comes to mind for me, we, we've mentioned a few times before, um, but I think it's, perfectly aligned with this topic, and that's visioning. Different Mm. from visualizing, although right after visioning, we can talk about visualizing, but visioning as a spiritual process, as a meditative process that, that walks us through asking a few very targeted questions that open us up to what is spirit's highest vision for me, what is spirit's highest vision for my life, or what is spirit's highest vision for my business and for the way I am in the world, what is spiritized vision for me and my relationships. I mean, you can target it to anything, um, but you're doing the meditation, the meditative process with some very clear focus. I am open to the intuition and the the intelligence of spirit to give me guidance. Mm -hmm. And you are, it is all about being receptive to that guidance, even though it may not make sense to you, and and knowing, I mean, for me that 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 guidance can come in a ra- in a song on the radio that I listen to. It can come to me in like a headline on a newspaper. It can come to me as a random conversation with somebody I don't know, or a deep felt spiritual conversation with someone I do know. I mean, I think it's really interesting if I st- when I start to really realize. That the answer, when I'm asking those deep questions, what what's next? What do I need to do next? Give me that next step. It's really coming at me in all different ways. But I'm looking for the you know the airplane in the in the sky with the banner behind it that said Leslie, here's your answer. But if I'm open and receptive, because visioning is interesting because I don't I I I have done that process and I haven't really you know I. And you don't like it? I, no, no, no. That's what I was going to say. I was going to say I don't actually, you know, make things up that I get. But you know, I just, you know, I, I, I think I'm thinking them. You know, because I don't want to be the only one in the room that didn't get anything, right? <laughs> I don't want to be the person that said, "Oh, intuition wasn't talking to me." So I think that I'm thinking. I, I and maybe I'm not thinking. Maybe it's intuition. But you know, I just want to, you know, be a part of so badly. But um. But I have had the experience where I vision about something and then I get in my car and turn the radio on and the song playing, bam, there it is. There's the answer. And and maybe, you know, that might be a lesson to me that I don't have to get it right then. I can I can say I didn't get anything and not feel less than. Yeah, because, you know, <laughs> separate from this, I, I will just I will just share with you that. So you don't get anything because you expect not to get anything, and oh right, and you're so caught up in 
I want other people to think to be, I got yeah, something. Yeah, to think I got something. I don't want to be the one. Any, right, but yeah. that's a whole other conversation. <laughs> so visioning is a receptive process, but we also can have a directive process like visualization mm. where we, when we do have ideas about what it would look like for me to live larger, for me to, what is it that I want? When I have some clarity about things that I want or the way I want my life to be, and we've talked about treasure maps or vision boards before, but to create that so that you see those visual images, those words and those pictures that make you feel it's possible. Right. And, you know, the the extreme example is from The Secret where the um, featured guy was, the featured luminary was talking about how he had, he ended up buying Mm-hmm. The house, this magnificent California mansion that he had on his vision board years, years before, before. Mm-hmm. but it was so ingrained in his mind. But when he saw that house and bought it, he didn't make the connection right. that that was the exact house that he had put on his vision board 10 years earlier or whatever it was. And um, it's like no wonder he resonated with it and he had the money to buy it, you know, that he would be like, this is a beautiful home. You know, I can imagine if he may have even said, this is my dream house, but he wasn't making a conscious connection to the fact that he had said, this is what I want. I want to live in a place like this or better, mm-hmm. you know. And so we we can do that. Um, and by being intentional and creating a treasure map or a vision board, and you know we've both done that before, and um, it's a fun party. It's about time to do that again for 2013 or 2014 or 2015. Yeah. Just looking ahead and going, okay, what kinds of start playing with it? It doesn't have to be Leslie's favorite word, work. <laughs> You know, but just what what kinds of things, what kinds of experiences do I want to have? How do I want to feel about my life? So. And I have up. I think it was two years ago, wasn't it, that you did that little visioning or vision board party at your house? At least two was years. It at least two years. Because I still a while. I still have that up on my wall in my living area, and I see it every day. And now I look at it and I go, oh, that'll never be. Like it's got an expiration date on it. Like I, <laughs> I was expecting. Okay, I put my pictures on the board now. Three months. It should be, happen. yeah. And, uh, and so, and, and now I, I tell myself I should down. take it down, but I don't take it down. No, you should take it down because <laughs> if that's the feeling and thought you're having, oh, that'll never happen. Take oh. it down because you're affirming that'll that can never happen. happen. See, and so you need new images. See up. how deeply ill. I, this is my day to quote uh, famous people interviewing. I heard Kirstie Alley, is that how she, I don't think it's Christie, but however she says her yeah, name. Kirstie or Kirstie. something, Alley. Yeah. She was talking about when she was uh, struggling, she was a housekeeper. And she would mm-hmm. go into these big houses and these beautiful houses and she would pick out the things and she would see how she wanted to do her house. And she said it was so exciting. She just couldn't wait to go into these big houses and see the things so she would know what she would buy when she had the money. And, I mean, that's a really different perspective than driving by a big house. I don't know who does this, not me. But it says, oh, those. Or being a housekeeper and saying, um, <laughs> yeah, that I can never have this. And, uh, you know, like we have we have language, you know, oh, the filthy rich. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, I've got to go clean the, these people's houses and they don't appreciate, you know, me. And, you know, I know there have to be people who that's their job. And that's their mindset. So you're so kind not to say me because I'm actually walking dogs now at really wealthy people's houses and I walk in going, oh, my. <laughs> How ridiculous that they're spending their money on this when I need something and they're not giving it to me. You see how deeply it goes, really. But it's interesting So after Christy, I thought I need to walk into these houses and go, ah. I like this. I like that. Yeah, I'm going to have that thing. waterfall in my house. Or a waterfall. <laughs> yeah, that sounds like I'm going to steal it, doesn't it? I'm not going to steal it. Yeah, well, I, <laughs> I, haven't, 
I haven't gone there with my thinking. Is that? I think we should point that out. I think that's really good. I haven't gone to the idea of stealing from these people. That well, no, not if you're saying they shouldn't have it. <laughs> no, I'm really and saying it's a I complete should. waste of money. And who are they to think they should have that? And how gaudy that is. And I think I'm saying how dare them have it and I can't. That's really more of it. If I had it, I wouldn't be so bitter and resentful. Really? <laughs> I think that's what I'm thinking. So throw the vision board away. Get a new vision board, you're thinking. Uh, yeah, it's past time. Because it's, it is all about the, the vision board, the treasure map, visualization processes in general are all about creating the emotional place, the vibration that matches your mind and your emotion to creating. Mm-hmm. And so if what you're creating is, oh, look at that, that was a pipe dream, I could never have that, then you're matching your <laughs> mind and your emotion to never having that. Ah, and, yeah, dear. And to never having what you want. Oh, I wanted that, but that didn't happen, so I guess nothing good will ever happen. And so, yeah, we know the process is Fair all about, is about looking at it and going, yes, absolutely. I don't know when, but I know that it's that or something better is coming into my life. Yes, I look at that and I just feel good about I it. I get excited. Yeah, that's yeah. yeah. That's more in its way. It occurs to me that we are coming up into the winter of life and the seasons and how the seasons play out. And I'm thinking it's always interesting to me around the holidays to look at that time as a time to dive deeper into sort of when we retreat from nature, you know, physically into our houses because it's cold outside and there's, and so it becomes a time of deepening within and I can use this time to really sort of um, deepen my commitment to new birth because I think there is something sort of mystical about the seasons that teach us and if we kind of play the season at hand and how the seasons fall that there can be something said to to going deeper within. Because a lot of times when winter's coming up, I just get irritable and angry and say I hate the cold. And I think I just have to live through the cold. I just have to, you know, suffer until spring comes. So I'm going to do something different. And look at this as a time and opportunity to dive deeper and do new visioning board, do new vision board. The boards are too confusing. They're too similar. Can we make up new ones? A treasure map. I like that. I actually use treasure map more than vision board. I just say vision board really because so many people use that term, especially since the book and the film The Secret, people who didn't know about it before. But when I was first introduced to the idea, the concept, Mm -hmm. I was introduced to it as treasure map. And the idea that we have time, we have talent, we have treasure in the world. Mm-hmm. And and the idea that it's not just my vision, like I'm so, but it's, it's this is what I would treasure. Mm. Or this is, you know, I treasure my life and it's full of things I love. So the, for me personally, the energetic around treasure is more powerful. But, I, you know, vision boards to me is more mental. Ah, I see. So I, but they're, you know, they do the same thing and they use the same process. And the so, treasure makes me think it already exists. It's not something that I have to create. It exists mm-hmm. or imagine. Right. Cool. So visioning and visualization, a couple of spiritual practices, being open to the guidance that comes to you from intuition, spiritual practice, and uh, things we we are less likely to be stuck living small, and right. we are all going to get caught by the trap of living small in some point, but we don't have to stay there. No, very good. I like saying that. yes to spirit allows us to notice when we're living small and to choose to break out of that box. So that's about it for today's show. Next week, our next show, we're going to be talking about flow, flow. So we hope that you will join us. And until then, say Say yes to to spirit.
Alexa, play Whitney Houston. Okay. With Amazon Music, a voice is all you need. Get access to over 50 million songs. Download the Amazon Music app today.